Okay, well, we're continuing uh, the theme of last week. Last week, I brought a message on discerning true preaching. This is how we tell that somebody is confessing the true Jesus Christ. It was in 1 John chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, primarily. How to avoid Antichrist, how to avoid error. And the first point was, and that's what I want to expand on today, the first point about the true Christ of Scripture was that he is the elect head of his elect body. That mark is essential, because if your Christ, if the one you call Jesus, is not the elect head of his elect body, the Christ that you seek to follow is Antichrist, and not the true Christ. And that Antichrist will not get you to heaven, will not save your soul. I mentioned as an illustration the BBC programme that I said was years ago, Fake or Fortune. Well, it's absolutely amazing that the other evening we sat down to watch the television for a little while and put the television on and guess what? There was an episode of Fake or Fortune, a brand new one. And the details were that somebody owned a sketch by an early 20th century artist called Modigliani. And it was just a pencil sketch, a, a pre-work. But, you know, some of these things in the right hands, you know, they can be extremely valuable. Now, they, they had all sorts of experts examine this sketch. I mean, they went all over the place to experts of all sorts seeking to find out, was this a fake or was it worth a fortune? Because if it was a fake... As, as the guy that was doing most of the presenting, uh, uh, well, no, he wasn't the presenter, but, you know, the one that was the, the main contact said, he said, if it's a fake, he said, well, you've still got a very nice wall decoration. It's, it's a nice thing to hang on your wall. And uh, if you wanted to sell it, you might get a hundred pounds or a few hundred pounds for it, but that's it. But if it's judged to be the genuine work of Modigliani, you could be talking about £100,000 or considerably more for it because there are people with money who would pay that sort of price for that work if it was proven beyond reasonable doubt that it was the work of that man and not the work of a forger or a fake. Only the true Christ accomplishes salvation and accomplishes eternal life. You need the true Christ you must avoid the false Christ because beware, Satan is an extremely good forger. Satan is an extremely good deceiver. Satan can bring signs and wonders like an angel of light, even though he's the prince of darkness and the father of lies. He can bring signs and wonders that would deceive even the elect if that were possible, but of course it isn't. If you trust in a fake Christ, if you trust in a Christ that doesn't meet the criteria of Scripture for the true Christ, then you're following Antichrist. I don't care how popular your religion is. What a mistake so many people make in that they say, oh, if there's only two of you in a room worshipping God, then that cannot possibly be true. You know, God wouldn't have just two of you. He said, where there are two or three in my name, there am I in the midst. And by means of the internet, even those of you that are sat at home on your own, you're amongst two or three others, as it were, and Christ is in the midst of us. But if you trust in a fake Christ, that's antichrist. And that's not true. That, that isn't true. That will not accomplish your salvation. Come judgment day, 
when we all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, because you know it's appointed to to man to die once and then the judgment, we must all, it says twice in the New Testament, we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Come that judgment day, if you've been trusting in Antichrist, however sincere you've been, however nice the people have been that you've been meeting with, however good the works appear that you've been doing, Jesus says, I will say this to you. These are the words of Jesus who followed Antichrist and not the true Christ. He said, he will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you nice but sincere. No, he didn't say that. He said, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That's why it's important that the Christ that you trust is the elect head, of his elect body. Oh, you say, oh, that's doctrinal hair splitting. Uh, I mean, what, what does that matter? So long as we're all good folk getting on well together and, and, and we sing the praises, we sing the hymns of Jesus and all that sort of thing. We do all, what, is it not doctrinal hair splitting? No, no. What saith the scripture? This is the test. I'll quote it again. Isaiah 8 verse 20. To the law and to the testimony, to what people say, to the doctrines they believe, the things that they follow. If they speak not according to this word, there is no light in them. There is no truth in them. Judgment day, the day of judgment, will be a division. It will be a division. Look, turn with me to Matthew chapter 25 and verse 31. Jesus taught a lot. In the latter chapters of Matthew's Gospel, it's recorded there. He taught a lot about the end times. He taught a lot about the judgment that is coming. And in verse 31, he said this, Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered... All nations, nobody's going to escape. Nobody. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And he shall separate them. There'll be a division. He'll separate them one from another. As a shepherd divideth his sheep from his goats. You can imagine it, can't you? Imagine the shepherd. And there's a mixture of sheep and goats. And he's dividing the sheep from the goats. He says it'll be just like that on the judgment day. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. There's going to be a division. Do you hear that? Do you hear it clearly? The Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, said there's going to be a dividing of humanity, the sheep from the goats. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, they're the sheep that he put on his right hand. Verse 33 says it. He shall say to the sheep, come Ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Jump down to verse 41. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand. That's the goats, verse 33, on the left. He shall say to the goats, that that huge section of humanity on his left hand, he shall say to them, depart from me, ye cursed, cursed of God into everlasting fire, hell, separation from everything that is good, prepared for the devil and his angels. There's a division coming, a great division. 
a division of the sheep from the goats. So I want to think this morning about the sheep, the elect body of Christ, and the shepherd, the elect head. And it is not stated more clearly anywhere in Scripture than in John's Gospel, chapter 10. But how to rightly divide uh, this, this word of God, this, this bit of uh, the word of God we have here. Uh, how to give God's sheep. It's always something that's on the mind of anybody that's going to preach a sermon. It says in Proverbs 30 verse 8, give us food convenient, meaning give us that manna from heaven, which is suitable for our spiritual needs. How to give God's sheep that manna from heaven, which is suitable for our spiritual needs. And you know, when you prepare something like this. There's so much here, but how to order it. And uh, I, I looked at what Don Faulkner uh, had, uh, he's preached many, many, many sermons on, on this chapter. And he came up with 10 points that, that characterise the sheep. Well, I'm, I'm going to condense them into seven points, but I, I confess it, that's where the idea came from, was, was uh, Don's treasure trove of, of, of things that he's left us. Absolutely wonderful stuff that that dear brother has left us. So Jesus spoke of my sheep, blessed with life in God's eternal kingdom. Here are seven points about the sheep, the elect body of the true Christ. The true Christ has sheep who are firstly chosen sheep. They're elected by God. That, that, means, that means that God consciously, for no other reason than his own will and his love, his undeserved, unmerited love, he chose some and he chose to pass by others. In John chapter 15, just turn over a couple of pages, John chapter 15 and verse 16, it's stated there, so clearly, Jesus again speaking, he says to them, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. You have not chosen me. I have chosen you. The sheep are those who are sovereignly chosen by God. They're not chosen because God foresaw that they would choose him. They're not chosen because God saw that compared with others, these would be rather better than others. No, all of them, all of them are in themselves sinners worthy of eternal condemnation. But God chose to save some. He, Moses asked him, I say this very often. I don't mind repeating these things that I tell you I say very often. They need underlining that in your minds, when, when you're going to sleep, when you're just meditating, these things come to your minds. Moses asked God, show me your glory. Show me some magnificent thing that will show me your glory. And this is what God said. This is my glory that I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. It's the grace of God, the sovereign electing grace, that it's not of him that wills, wants to, or of him that runs, but of God that shows mercy. Saviour, dear Saviour, hear my humble cry. Whilst on others thou art calling, please do not pass me by. As the 
As the um, publican prayed at the wall of the temple in Jerusalem, the Pharisees stood a bit further off and Jesus pointed them out to his disciples. And he said, look at that Pharisee standing there saying, Lord, I thank you that I am not as other men. I'm so much better than the rest. But the publican stood there and beat his breast and said, Lord, be merciful to me, the sinner, as if there was no other sinner. Lord, be merciful to me, the sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, that man, that publican, he's the one that went home justified because God heard his prayer, because God moved him to pray that prayer. God moved him to seek him. So false religion says it's up to you to choose God. But no, it's clear, isn't it, in this word? Uh, to the law and to the testimony, what does this word say? God chooses whom he will. The division of mankind was in eternity before time began. You read that in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. When did God determine to save his people? When they decided to choose him? No, before the world began, he chose a multi-ethnic multitude because he chose them and he betrothed them in eternity to his son, to Christ, to be saved so that everything that related to Christ related to them. As Christ is the Holy One of God accepted in eternity, so all his people would be by virtue of their union with Christ. But the rest, he passed by. It's a divine choice revealed in time. In the book of Ezekiel, there are lots of mysterious things, but there are some wonderful things that are so easy to pick up and go with. We won't turn to it now, but Ezekiel 16 and verse 8 says, this is God speaking to the people of his choice. And they were in such a mess. They were, they were like a, a child born in filth and dirt and, and, and not properly cared for, not salted, as it says. And he says, thy time was the time of love and thou becamest mine. When God chose at the right time, each one who is a child of God now, you and me, if we're trusting Christ, we can remember the time which was the time of love, when he showed us that we were his. Chosen by God, we keep looking at it, but it's so true. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, blessed with every spiritual... God has blessed his people, his sheep, with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose them, chose us in him before the foundation of the world, predestinated us to the adoption of children. It was all in the purposeful will of God, given by the Father to the Son. Look at what John chapter 6 says, uh, verse 37 of John chapter 6. This is Jesus speaking to unbelieving Jews and Pharisees. He says, all, everyone, the people that the Father gives me, ah, the Father has given to the Son a people. All those people that the Father has given me shall come to me, shall come to me. And you say, oh, well, what if I'm not amongst them? Oh, no. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Pass me not, gracious Saviour. Hear my humble cry. Whilst on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Call me, call me. All that... Uh, the Father gives me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Oh, 
That, that begs a question, doesn't it? What was the will of the Father that sent the Lord Jesus Christ? He tells us, this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, all what which he hath given me, of all the people, all of the elect multitude, all of the sheep that were given to the Son, that I should lose nothing, that not one of them should be lost, but that should raise it up again at the last day. Take it safely to eternal glory, all of them. You see, belief doesn't make us sheep. It isn't belief that makes us sheep, but it shows that we are sheep. You know, again, another oft-quoted one, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, for God hath from the beginning, from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. How do I know, says Paul, that you Thessalonians are those that were amongst that multitude, that multi-ethnic multitude that God chose and united with Christ before the beginning of time? Because when you heard the gospel, you believed the truth. That's the sign. Belief is not the cause. Belief is the sign, the evidence that you were amongst that number. And it's underlined in verse 26 of our chapter, John 10, in John 10, the, the Pharisees, the Jews, are saying to him, uh, come on, stop messing about. Give us a clear sign. He's given no end of clear signs. And Jesus answered in verse 25, y I told you, 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 you believe not. Um, the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. You've already had enough evidence, but you believe not. Why do you believe not, you unbelieving Jews and Pharisees? Verse 26, he tells them why. And religion doesn't like this. He says, you believe not because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. He doesn't say, oh, if only you would believe, you would become my sheep. No, he says, you're not of my sheep. My sheep were determined in eternity and you're not amongst them. And that's the reason why today you do not believe. I put a little article in the bulletin to that effect. Look at it when you can. No, you're not of my sheep. And the evidence that you're not is that you don't believe when the truth of God, when, when the Son of God, when the gracious Son of God has come down from heaven bringing the truth of the Lord, and you don't believe it. That's a clear sign that you're not amongst the sheep. No, this, this choice of God, we often think, well, didn't I choose? Yes, he makes his people willing in the day of his power. His people willingly follow him because the Spirit makes his people willing. There's a hymn that we haven't sung for a long time now, but I always used to like it. I sought the Lord and afterward I knew. He moved my soul to seek him, seeking me. It was all of his doing. He moved my soul to seek him. Tis not that I did choose thee. That, that couldn't possibly be. He chose us. Not unto us, it says in Psalm 115, verse 1, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory. Who gets the glory for the salvation of a sinner? Answer, it must be God and God alone. God cannot share his glory with another. If a sinner ends up justified in the eternal kingdom of God, it can only be to the glory of God, for God will not share his glory with another. Is this your religion? Think, if you go to another church for some sort of fellowship, if you go to another church, is this your religion? Do they preach this 
choice of God, this sovereign choice of God? Do they declare it? Or does your religion effectively rob God of his glory? Here's the second point. These sheep are redeemed sheep. In Matthew 25, verse 34, we read it before, he says, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. How can they, they're sinners, how can they inherit the kingdom prepared from the foundation of the world? Answer is that they're qualified. How are they qualified when nothing that defileth shall enter in? They're qualified by redemption. Look at John chapter 10 and verse 11. Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Then look at verse 15. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. The sheep are qualified to inherit the kingdom of God by the redemption that Christ has accomplished for them with his life. He gave his life. The payment that ensures the release from the captivity, the bondage of sin, of the sheep chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, is the life of God himself, the infinite God, who cannot die but became man so that he could die. The life of God for the sin debt of his sheep. I've told you this many times also. Paul speaking to the elders of Ephesus on the beach at Miletus in Acts 21 verse 28. He says, take care of the church of God, the elect of God, the sheep of God, the people who believe God, the people who show that they were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world by their belief of the gospel. He said, take care of them. Take care of that church which God purchased with his own blood. Redeemed. Redemption means payment, purchase. He redeemed it with his own blood. God cannot die, so God became man so that he could die. God cannot shed blood, so God became man so that he could shed blood. The life is in the blood. The life is in the blood. The payment for the sin of the people of God was the lifeblood of the Son of God who came to purchase them. And it was settled in eternity. You say, uh, surely, no, no, we, we only read about it at, at Calvary. No, Revelation 13, verse 8. The lamb slain from the foundation of the world. In eternity, in the justice of God. When John looked in, in Revelation uh, chapter 5, and uh, the cry has gone out, for somebody that is worthy to implement the plan of God's triumphant kingdom and take sinners to be with him in glory. And nobody is found, nothing, nobody is found, and John weeps much, so he's told to look to the throne of God, to look to the lion of the tribe of Judah, somebody strong, and he looks, and instead of seeing a lion, he sees a lamb as it was slain. A lamb slain for the sins of his people. These are redeemed sheep. But who did he die for? Who did he die for? There's another article by Don Fortner in the bulletin. It's for his sheep that he died. He didn't die for anybody else. He didn't die for the rest of the world. He didn't die for people who ultimately end up in hell. No, he died 
to redeem his people from the curse of the law, exclusively for the sheep. Look at verse 28. I give unto them eternal life. Uh, I give unto who? The sheep. The sheep, the elect body. I give unto them eternal life. Not everybody, to them. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My, my father's greater than all. No, he, 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 he died exclusively for his sheep, in the place of his sheep. Uh, you know, cursed is everyone that, that doesn't continue in all things written in the book of the law to do them. Galatians 3.13, but Christ has redeemed us, paid the price. He has redeemed us from that curse. It's a terrible thing to be under a curse. Of all, there are curses of all sorts in life. It's a terrible thing to be under a curse. But Christ has redeemed us from the curse of God's law, which says the soul that sins, it shall die eternally. He has redeemed us for it. How? By being made a curse for us. For why? Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. They hung Jesus on a tree, a cross, to shed his blood, to die in the place of his people, for us and only us. In Hebrews 9, it talks about him accomplishing, obtaining eternal redemption for us. Eternal redemption. It's not for everybody. It's for his sheep, the sheep, his elect sheep. But thirdly, and I must hurry along, they're straying sheep. They're straying sheep by virtue of their sinful nature in the flesh. Isaiah 53 verse 6 all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Straying sheep. In Romans chapter 3, if you want to turn there but you don't have to, Romans chapter 3, which we were looking at two or three weeks ago, verse 22 He's talking about the righteousness of God being revealed. It's being manifested. What righteousness? Verse 22, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. It was accomplished by what Jesus Christ did. For who? Unto all and upon all them that believe. For there's no difference. It's for the ones that believe that this was done. And you say, well, doesn't that mean everybody should they choose to believe? It doesn't say that. There's no difference for all have sinned. I know everybody interprets verse 23 to say the whole of humanity has sinned. And that is true. I wouldn't, wouldn't detract from that. But in the context, the all of verse 23, all have sinned, is the all of Jesus' sheep, of his sheep, of all them that believe, of all them that are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It's very specific. It's very, um, it's very, very pointed. All of God's chosen, justified people have sinned and strayed, but Christ has redeemed his people from the curse of the law. We who are believers, if you believe and you're honest, you know that what Ephesians 2 says about all who believe is that we were dead in trespasses and sins. We were children of disobedience who walked after the power, of, uh, the, uh, according to the prince of the power of the air, the devil, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. We were by nature children of wrath, even as others, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has made us alive with Christ. By grace ye are saved. 
We were straying sheep, but we're entirely dependent on God to move in us. Psalm 85 verse 4 says this. It's nothing about turning over new leaves, new New Year's resolutions to try better. No, we're dependent on God. And the psalmist says, turn us, O God of our salvation. If God doesn't turn us, we're lost. All our lives in the flesh, we are, as that hymn says, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take, take my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it from thy courts above. Because we're so prone to stray. So we're straying sheep. The sheep of God, the elect multitude of God, are straying sheep, but called sheep. Called sheep. John 10, verses 3 to 5, says this, when I turn back to it. John 10, verses 3 to 5. To him the porter openeth, uh, the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name. He calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow. He calls them by name. These are the ones that in Romans 8, it talks about being called and and justified and glorified and and all of those things. It's all in the the will of God. Um, Where are we? Yes. Um, you, you know the verse, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow in eternity, whom he chose in Christ in eternity, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. He predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son, that his son might be the firstborn among many brethren. There's, there's a multitude of brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. They're called sheep. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. If God be for us, who can be against us? Called sheep. That sketch by Modigliani on that fake and fortune program, experts looked for several incidental features to confirm it was his work. You know, the, the, way, the way he sketched an arm on that other drawing that we know was by him. Has he done it on this one? Incidental features that confirm it was his work and that led to it being declared a fortune. Does the creed of your religion confirm, confirm, confirm the true Christ and the true title to the inheritance of the saints in light? There's a personal call. He makes them disciples Look at this, incidentally. Jesus went on the road to Jericho for one reason. You know why that was? Because there was a little fraudulent tax collector hiding in a tree out of mere nosiness to see who this man was that people were talking about. His name was Zacchaeus. Jesus wasn't introduced to him at all. He walked along that road and when he got to that tree, he looked up into the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, Come down, for I must dine at your house today. And Zacchaeus came down, and salvation came to his house. There was a man called Lazarus, who was dead in a tomb, a man whom Jesus loved and his sisters. But this man had died. And Jesus came there and wept, showing he truly was a man. And he prayed, 
to his father and he cried out, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came, bound in the grave clothes, out of that tomb. Just as Jesus taught at Nazareth, not according to what men might think, but according to the will and purpose of God. He said, in Nazareth, and they tried to kill him for it when he said it. He said there were many widows in the time of Elijah in Israel. There were many widows, but God sent him to a widow of Zarephath, of the Zidonians, not even of the children of Israel. And there were many lepers in the days of Elisha, but God sent him to heal Naaman the Syrian. They were absolutely horrified. They tried to kill him. No, God calls his people with a holy calling. He saved us and called us with a holy calling, it says in 2 Timothy 1 verse 9. As long as the world continues, sheep are still being called. In verse 16, Jesus says this in John uh, chapter 10 and verse 16. He says, um, where am I? There we go. In verse 16, he says, other sheep I have which are not of this Jewish fold, the fold of Judaism. Them also must I bring, not only uh, the Gentiles in general, but in the days in which we live. There are other sheep still to be called, else why is this world continuing? There must be more, there must be more to be called. Well, I must hurry. The shepherd and his sheep know each other. I'll be quick with these points. Verse 14 of chapter 10. I am the good sheep, uh, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. It says elsewhere, they don't follow a stranger. As in uh, other parts of the scripture, this is eternal life. John 17 verse 3, John 17 verse 3 says this, this is life eternal. Do you not want life eternal? What is it? that they might know thee. This is the prayer of Jesus to his father before he went to the cross, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. That's it. These sheep are kept safely. Look at verse 28 of John 10. I give unto them eternal life. Look at the comfort of these words. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. If you can, turn to Ezekiel chapter 34. I just want to read a few verses here from verse 11. Ezekiel 34 verse 11. For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out, as a shepherd seeketh out his flock, in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and would deliver them out of all the places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in a good pasture and upon the high mountains. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leadeth me by the green pastures. On the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be. There there shall they lie in a good fold and in a fat pasture. They shall feed upon the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and will cause them to lie down. This is what God says about his church in these days, in in, in the blessings of gospel truth. 
That sounds like the true God of salvation, doesn't it? Of effectual salvation. Is that your God? Is that the God of Psalm 23? I think so. And then the sheep follow their shepherd in verse 4 of John 10. He putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. I haven't used this illustration for a long time. Oh, verse 27 as well. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Uh, I, I, when I was growing up, I did lots of help uh, on local farms up in the Southern Lake District. And they keep a lot of sheep there. And we used to do a lot of rounding up of the sheep with dogs that used to run round and chase. You know, you might have seen a, um, uh, one man and his dog, that, that kind of contest of, of herding up sheep. But in parts of the world, and one of those parts of the world was, was Spain, and we were on a family holiday driving through northern Spain one day on one of the motorways, and I remember there was a bridge over the motorway, and um, there was a shepherd with his staff in his hand and his coat on and his hat on, and he's walking along, and he's not driving the sheep, the sheep are following him, because they know that he is their shepherd, and it's that picture. They do it willingly, as I've already said. Uh, he makes them willing in the day of his power to follow his word, his spirit, his revealed will. Why is it that I believe? Why you who are believers? Why is it that we're separated from this world? Why is it that my thinking, the way we think, clashes with those in the world around us? Why is it that most religion, even that calls itself Christianity, hates us, hates us? Hates what we preach. Answer, because I follow the good shepherd. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the good shepherd, the author and finisher of our faith. Just finally and, and, and very briefly, you might ask, what about the texts that seem to say God desires the salvation of everyone? That his sheep is a flock that becomes that because they exercise their own choice and they choose to follow him. Doesn't it say God is not willing that any should perish? Uh, doesn't it say that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved? Well, yes, it says those things. I think in some cases there are quirks of translation that lead to ambiguity. But you know, you know the right way to approach this. Always interpret that which is ambiguous in the light of that which is crystal clear. I'll give you a quick example. In Hebrews chapter 2, in Hebrews chapter 2, this is just a very quick example, but there are others. But you adopt this approach. In, in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, it says about Jesus make, being made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. That's why he became a man. God became man that he might suffer death. We see him crowned with glory that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Oh, there they go, you say. Your, your, your doctrine of election, your, your Calvinistic doctrine cannot be true because it says he should taste death for every man. Read on. For it became him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory. Not every man to glory. Many sons. The every man of verse 9 are the many sons, which are the sheep of God. Look down at verse 16. How did he do it? He took on him 
What did he take on him? The nature of Adam. Didn't he become a man? Didn't he take on him the nature of Adam, of all men? Didn't Jesus take on him the nature of Adam to save all men from their sins? No, he took on him the seed of Abraham. Who are the seed of Abraham? The sheep of God. The sheep who believe the same things. It's very clear. The scripture is very clear. We could examine more texts, and I might do that at some time in the future. But God chose his sheep before time. He redeemed them, and only them, particularly in time. He quickened them by Holy Spirit regeneration in the time of love, as Ezekiel 16 says. He separated, sanctified them from this world, and will certainly take them to his eternal kingdom. Oh, what about the goats, you say? What about the goats? Is it not unfair? Genesis 18, 25, Abraham said this to God concerning the judgment to fall on Sodom and Gomorrah. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? The scripture asks the question, it makes the statement, let God be true and every man a liar. I know what the scripture does say in Philippians chapter 2, that at the end of time, when the separation of the sheep from the goats has taken place, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen.